People say the Premier League is impossible to predict, but this podcast is here to help. We're working with InfoGold to take a look at the numbers for each and every one of the Premier League fixtures this season. If you're looking to find value in the markets, data can be the key. Welcome to Premier League Insights. Hello and welcome back to Premier League Insights. Yes, we are talking about the Premier League once again. To help you catch up on where the season left off, today we're going to be doing a bit of a recap on where things were before everything got postponed. We'll discuss what the current table looks like and if there's any interesting outright bets available out there. We'll then take a more detailed look at the two midweek games between Aston Villa and Sheffield United and Manchester City and Arsenal. And as if that wasn't enough, we'll be back again later this week to do a full preview of game week 30. There is a lot to get through there and I'm not going to be doing it by myself. I've got Jake Osgathorpe from InfoGoal here to help look at the data and uncover the value. How are you, Jake? Very well, thank you, Ben. Yes, looking forward to having Premier League back. Uh, Obviously, going to be a hectic schedule over the next month or two. So, um, yeah, we're going to keep us busy, but at least we've got some top flight football in England to look forward to. That's it. It was nice to get back in the groove with the Bundesliga, but I'm, I'm more excited than ever to to talk about the Premier League. So, so what we'll do, we'll we'll get straight into it. And and as I said in the in the intro, we probably need to do a bit of a recap on on where things were before the season ground to a halt. Um, we can start by working our way through the table from the the top to the bottom, see who's competing for what and who's playing well, who's who hasn't. Um, Obvious place to start is Liverpool. I think everyone can agree there. They're one of the teams that have been playing well. Has been a, a great season for them, all but guaranteed to be crowned champions. I think we did a we did a podcast a month or so ago about if we were to to simulate the remainder of the seasons, how would things get on? And was it was there was there was no scenario with all games played that that Liverpool wouldn't win the league? Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So our simulations came up with zero percent chance of. Liverpool failing to convert um, a first Premier League title. Uh, the one thing that we looked at from our simulations point of view was uh, whether they could actually beat break Manchester City's record points total, which is obviously 100 points. Um, and what, they're on 82 points now with nine games left. So they need to average more than two points a game, um, which they have been doing all season long. We make that a 50% chance. So 50-50 that Liverpool uh, break Manchester City's 100-point record, which is obviously their main, uh, going to be their main aim, really, for the remainder of the season, given that they're out of the Champions League, they're out of the uh, FA Cup. So, yeah, that's the main thing for Liverpool fans to look forward to. Obviously, depending on results this week, they could actually clinch the title um, on Sunday. So it's going to be... I hope, you know, obviously massive celebrations around Liverpool, but um, they would love to knock Manchester City off that perch. And then speaking about Manchester City, they're, they're in with, with Leicester in that, that little kind of cluster of, of two teams that just separated by only four points. Manchester City have looked a lot better according to the underlying performance. And I'm, I'm guessing InfoGoal has these two, Manchester City second, Leicester third. Is, is that where you see them ending up for the, the rest of the season? Yeah, exactly that. Um, Manchester City, 99.5% chance of, uh, of finishing second, guaranteed a top four finish according to our model. Um, as for Leicester, like you said, looking at around third place for them, uh, but we still make them an 89.5% chance of finishing the top four. So pretty much based on what we're what we're looking at, um, Leicester going to be playing Champions League football again next year. So with... I mean, City and Leicester, they're, they're both very close in the table. I think it's separated by, by just four points, but they've had 
quite differing seasons. I don't think Leicester had any expectation of of finishing third, and obviously City will be very disappointed to to finish in second. So, from a, from a data point of view, how 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 have these two teams performed, and and have Leicester been lucky? Have City been unlucky? What's the, what's the scenario? Yeah, exactly what you've just said there. Um, Leicester have been pretty fortunate um, over the course of the season. Manchester City have been unfortunate. So we'll start with Manchester City, second in the table, obviously, but they rank first in our expected goals table. Um, they've got the best underlying process by a country mile uh, in the Premier League. So they're averaging 1.7 expected goal difference per game. Uh, Liverpool second best with 1.05. So uh, on average per game, Liverpool the 0.65 better off than uh, Sorry, Manchester City 0.65 better off than Liverpool. Uh, but the main reason why they're not closer to Liverpool and, and why we haven't got a, a title challenge like we did last season coming down the uh, down the home stretch is because Manchester City have um, underperformed in attack, which is a bit of a surprise given the um, you know the amount of firepower that they do have. But they've only scored 68 times from chances equating to 78.2 expected goals. So they've left 10 goals out there really that could have made all the difference in, in the title race. And, you know, obviously... We've talked about Liverpool and how impressive they have been, but they've had a, a bit of luck in their uh, going their favour uh, from a defensive standpoint. So they've conceded around eleven fewer goals than than would be expected. So, had those um, goals been conceded by Liverpool and the goals been scored by Manchester City, we probably would have a much tighter title race coming down. Um, like I said, down the home stretch. As for Leicester. Uh, they've only conceded 28 goals this season, which is um, you know, one of the best in the league. I think it's the third best defensive record. Uh, but when you look closer at the expected goal against numbers, not that impressive. They've allowed 39.9 expected goals against, so that equates to 1.38 expected goals against per game, which is still okay. It's still what we'd expect from a top seven, top eight side. Uh, but that means that they've almost conceded 12 fewer um goals than would be expected. So their defence has lived a charmed life this season and that, that's the main reason why they're sat in a comfortable third position. Um, like I said, we're giving them a really high chance of, of converting that current position into a Champions League place. But, you know, they have some tough games coming up. Uh, they're only five points clear of Chelsea and there were signs of a, of a wobble post-Christmas. So um, they have to be switched on. Um, I would probably imagine that um, their attacking process will remain pretty similar to what it was post-break, which was uh, pre-break, sorry, which is 1.91 expected goals for per game. Uh, but, but you know, if they want to avoid any um, close calls with obviously Chelsea, Manchester United hot on the heels, they're probably going to need to improve defensively. So, um, yeah, the, the main reason why City and Leicester are so close in the table is because one team has been a little bit fortunate and the other has been a little bit unfortunate. Well, it's been pretty straightforward, plain sailing up until now, the, as you were with the table, Liverpool, City and, and Leicester. But this is where things begin to get a lot more interesting because we've got five points between Chelsea and, and Sheffield United. Sheffield United obviously have a, a game in hand, which we'll get on to later. Um, it, it's been close for the Champions League all season and now there's there's four teams battling for what is probably only one remaining spot unless, as you said, Leicester might have a, a catastrophic slip up. But... Chelsea currently sitting fourth. I, I personally think Wolves deserve that spot. It's it would be a great story if someone like Sheffield United managed to qualify, but it's a it's a tough one to call. So so what are your thoughts on how the race for the the fourth and final Champions League, Champions League spot will pan out? Yeah, it's fascinating. It really is. Um, it looked like Chelsea had got a serious stranglehold on fourth spot for most of the season, but they had a really really bad patch um, across Christmas and only just looked as though they've they got out of that um, as we en- as we entered the break, obviously. So 
Um, based on expected goals, Chelsea have been a top four team all season long. Um, they've performed exceptionally well. The process has been really strong, but like Manchester City, they've underscored. So 51 goals scored, 60 expected goals, left nine goals out there. And uh, obviously, I'm sure if you speak to plenty of Chelsea fans, none of them have been impressed by Kepa this season. And not saying that he's single-handedly to blame for um, Chelsea. Uh, under uh, underperformance in in defence, but um, they have allowed five goals more than would have been expected. So in terms of goals and uh, expected goals, Chelsea have been one of the t- biggest underperformers in the league this season. Um, their average of two point zero seven expected goals for one point two expected goals against is a really strong xG process. It's actually the third best in the Premier League. So you know that from if they carry on the form of what of what we sh- uh, saw prior to the league suspension. To bring that into the final nine games, then they have a really good chance of um, of getting over the line in that um, race for a Champions League spot, and obviously potentially catching Leicester. Um, I think the Infocom model goes around a fifty seven percent chance that Chelsea make the top four. So not as strong as as the bookmakers um, in this one or in that market. Um, and, you know, it, literally, it's because of the the amount of points difference between. Chelsea, as you said, in Sheffield United, it's so small um, and obviously the amount of teams in there. So that's why the Infocore model is not as short. It's because there's so many different opportunities for different teams to catch up. Um, Manchester United, they, they showed a real upturning form prior to the break. Obviously, they were on a, a really impressive unbeaten run across all competitions. They beat Manchester City comfortably in their final Premier League game at a 2-0 success. Um, and they're keeping more clean sheets or they were keeping more clean sheets prior to the uh, to the break. So there were positive signs, really, for Manchester United. And a lot of that stemmed from Bruno Fernandes' introduction. Um, he obviously adds a lot of quality to that midfield. And, you know, they're going to be a really interesting prospect, given the fact that Paul Pogba is going to be back fit for these last nine games. Obviously, Marcus Rashford's going to be fit uh, also. So they're going to have a lot of firepower going forward. And their XG process has actually been impressive all season also. So... Averaging 1.8 expected goals for 1.3 against. Uh, not as good as Chelsea's, but it's pretty much on level par with what Leicester have produced all season long. Um, and you know the models, the models makes them a 40% chance of finishing in the top four. So if you put the Chelsea percentage and the Manchester United percentage together, you get around uh, 90. Uh, sorry, 87%, 97%. Um, which means that we think it's going to be pretty much a straight shootout between those two teams for the final Champions League spot. Um, we give Wolves a 10% chance. I know you mentioned them there. They've been really impressive once again. Obviously finished uh, seventh last season. They've sit sixth in the table, but the rank is the fourth best team on expected goals. They're still in with a shout. Uh, they, they will be massive beneficiaries of this break as well, given the hectic schedule that they've played all season long with the Europa League commitments Thursday, Sunday. Um, a break, the players back fit. Uh, players will be healthy. They've had a nice rest. They'll be ready and firing um, to get going this <clears throat> once the season restarts. Uh, all they need to do really to improve their process is start taking the chances. They've they've left eleven goals out there according to expected goals. Forty one scored, fifty two expected goal four, um, and they've got a better process than Leicester and Manchester United. So they're in with the chat, but they are currently a two point deficit to Manchester United. And the other thing that you have to factor in when uh, looking at the remaining games is is the strength of schedule. So we took a look at using the team's forecast position um, on the InfraGoal model, looking at the average forecast position of, of upcoming opponents. And Manchester United have actually got the easiest schedule um, of, of the remaining 20 Premier League teams, followed by Manchester City. 
So that's one of the other reasons why we have think there is good value in backing Manchester United to break into that top four, whether that be at the expense of Chelsea or Leicester. I'm not too sure, but you can back them, I think, at around 2.72. And given that we've got around a 40% chance of, of United uh, breaking into the top four, uh, that represents a decent value bet. Um, you mentioned Sheffield United there. They're by no means out of it as well. Like you said, the game in hand, which is against uh, a really struggling Aston Villa side, uh, if they win that, they actually jump above Manchester United and, and just two points behind Chelsea. So they're by no means out of it. But the only thing that is um, slightly putting me off Sheffield United is their run-ins. They've got one of the, I think it's the fifth toughest um, schedule remaining this season. Um, average forecast position of 9.2. So they've got some tough games coming up. Uh, but then again, a lot of those games are six-pointers as well. So, you know, they could lose one of them and win one um, and remain in a similar position. So... It's, it's going to be fascinating to see. Obviously, we'll know much more about um, Sheffield United or after Wednesday night's game against Aston Villa, um, where they could potentially leap up to fifth uh, fifth place. Um, but you know they've been impressive all season. A positive expected goal process. Um, they've been fortunate in uh, in defence, conceding around seventeen goals, fewer than would be expected. But then. Going forward, they've only scored 30 goals this season, which is, um, you know, a hugely. This is it's a really low total. I think that's the third, fourth lowest total in the in the Premier League. They should have scored around 44 goals according to expected goals. So um, their overall expected goal difference to goal difference is it, you're looking at around a, a minus three <coughs> difference. Um, but you know, one thing they have got going for them is um, they've got a fantastic goalkeeper who is, according to XG two, is is being the best shot stopper in the league this season. So. Um, you know, they're by no means writing them off, but um, the model thinks that there's it's a slim chance that they can convert that into a top four finish uh, around 1.6%. Um, but sixth place, around 16%. So there's a chance that they can um, sneak in, but it is only a slim chance. We think that the other teams will prove too strong um, over the remaining nine games. Uh, another interesting outright bet, which we've found, is, is looking at uh, Wolves to finish in the top six. So... Um, Currently are sat sick, like I've said already. They've been the fourth best team according to expected goals. They're going to have to fight off the likes of Tottenham, who will be, um, who will have the likes of Harry Kane, uh, Stephen Bergvine, Hyunmin Son, all be back fit. I think Moussa Sissoko as well. Um, so they'll be back to pretty much full strength after this break. Be interesting to see what Jose Mourinho has done um, tactics-wise during the break. Um, and obviously Arsenal as well, who, who have a game in hand, albeit at Manchester City. But if they win that game in hand, they go level on points with Wolves. Um, so I'm not, I'm not discounting those two just yet. I think the breaks will have done both of them very good. Obviously, both had pretty new managers that had overseen maybe 10, 10 games um, each since joining. Um, so the break's going to have done them good, get them to know the players a little bit more, get the players to understand the systems a little bit more. Um, but if they continue performing at the levels that we saw before the break, then um, they've really not got any chance of, uh, of finishing a European spot with Spurs ranking as the 15th best team on expected goals and Arsenal's 13th. So um, there's a lot to play for. I, I think right down to Arsenal, they've got a chance of, uh, of finishing in the top six. But like I said, preferences for Wolves, really. We, we've got, we calculate they've got a 59.7% uh, chance of finishing in the top six. And I think you can back them at around 22 um, on the market. So obviously we make them 60% heavy odds on favourites to, to completely uh, back-to-back Europa League success qualifications. Um, and obviously 2.2 odds against is a really decent bet. 
Yeah, Manchester United are the one that, that also jump out to me. It seems like there's so much feeding into them, potentially making up that three-point gap to Chelsea. You mentioned their key players like Pogba and Rashford. Um, they have hit a great run of form. I remember the, the defensive performance or the underlying process was was really impressive in the early parts of the season. And funny that you mentioned strength of schedule because as you were talking, I, I quickly Googled it to get it up. And I mean... They've obviously they start with two relatively tough ones with with Tottenham away and and Sheffield United at home, but then Norwich, Brighton, Bournemouth, Aston Villa, Southampton, Crystal Palace, and West Ham. It, it looks like a a lot of winnable games in there before ending up with away at Leicester at the end of the season. Whereas Chelsea, they've got uh, Man City after Villa. They've also got Leicester. They've got Wolves. They've got Liverpool. Sheffield United. There's there's a lot more difficult games in there, but. People might also, when you talk about the strength of schedule, people might also consider the the rate of games at home or who they're playing at home, who they're playing away and, and the quality of those sides. And there's, obviously, we've talked a little bit about it with the Bundesliga. There's a lot of stuff on Twitter at the moment about gone is home field advantage and all this kind of stuff. And I think that the little chuckle there says what you think of it. I personally have, have voiced my opinions on it. It's, it's nonsense really when we're talking about these kind of sample sizes but maybe just explain why that isn't there you shouldn't be reading too much into these away wins that that we've seen in the Bundesliga and stuff like that yeah so obviously you'll have seen the you know the the high percentage of away wins since the restart but um you know quite a a lot of those were away favorites obviously in the Bundesliga you've got five teams Bayern Munich Dortmund Leipzig uh, Gladbach and Leverkusen who were all like head and shoulders clear of the rest of the Bundesliga. So whenever they're playing away from home, they're going to be favourites. And if, for example, they're all playing away from home on the same weekend and they all win, then you're going to have a greater than 50% chance, uh, 50% away win uh, straight away just from those games. So um, I think the Premier League is a little bit more balanced than that. There's, um, you know, the, the, you've got Liverpool and Manchester City, obviously, who are head and shoulders above the rest. Um, and then you've got around six or seven or eight teams that are all pretty level in terms of... Um, you know, uh, quality, standard, uh, XG process. And then you've got, you know, a 10 below them that are, again, really t- really close in terms of XG process and, um, and style. So I don't think we'll see stuff overdramatic. And the other thing I like to point to when talking about this is, is that although the Bundesliga um, home win percentage has dropped quite drastically, it's a small sample, as you mentioned. But if you look further down at the Bundesliga 2, their home, percent, home win percentages remained exactly the same as what it was pre-break. So, um, you know, I would expect Manchester, uh, sorry, not Manchester, I would expect it in the Premier League that the home win percentage, if it does drop maybe one or two percent, that's, you know, that's probably what I would expect. But um, I don't think it should be affecting the prices too much. Um, we spoke about it in length, obviously, just like what 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 is encompassed in home field advantage, and um, you know we did a study and found out that the actual the fans at the stadium doesn't contribute that much to the to the home field advantage. It's more the familiarity of the surroundings, the um, the testosterone of defending your own patch, um, all those sorts of things, and and that's why playing at a neutral venue, for example, which was talked about, would have been so detrimental to certain teams, um, especially those at the bottom. Um, but now that we're playing at team's own grounds you know we're looking at maybe 0.1 of a goal that's going to come off of home field advantage so it is really minimal um it's going to be interesting just to keep an eye on really the the percentages but in terms of the Bundesliga most of the home teams that are losing are actually creating the better chances just not converting them so um you know I would imagine some regression at some point um 
given the state of, of, of the world at the moment, it looks likely that the start of next season is going to be played behind closed doors as well. So um, the small sample that we've got at the minute of around seven or, or was it six or seven games, that's going to be expanded into you know, 15, 20 games um, across different leagues as well. So then we'll have a much bigger sample size to look at and, and make a much more informed decision rather than just pointing to the Bundesliga and saying, look, home field advantage is gone. Right, well, let's let's get back to the the Premier League table, and after that, that bunched up fourth to to sixth, seventh for for Champions League, Europa League. We've then got another bunch of teams from Tottenham, who are in eighth, I think, down to Southampton in fourteenth, fifteenth. And you mentioned a couple of names there out of these that that could potentially have an outside chance of um, Europa League. I mean. There are no danger of relegation. They they could nab a, a shock Europa League spot, but it's it's very unlikely. So from this this kind of mid table bunch, who are the who are the standout performers from you? And is there anyone that you've been really disappointed with this season that potentially might recover for the for the last few games and, and try and take some decent form into what will be a, a delayed start of the next season? Yeah, I think the the, the team that springs to mind is Everton. Really, um, they sit down in twelfth. They are what three points behind Arsenal. Um, obviously, Arsenal have a game in hand, four points behind Tottenham. Um, it's not been a great season for them. Obviously, they were in and around the relegation zone prior to Marco Silva being sacked. Uh, but since Carlo Ancelotti's come in, their process really has improved. It's taken off, really, um, especially in attack, with obviously Dominic Carlett-Lewin being the main beneficiary of that. Um, they're creating plenty of chances now every game. Um, they still need to sort their defence out a little bit, but if you take the whole season um, and look at the expected goals process and and the difference really in in terms of their for and against, which is uh, quite astonishing, really, they've they've scored only thirty seven times this season, fifty two point four expected goals for, so that's fifteen um, an underperformance of around fifteen goals, um, and then they've conceded forty six goals, um, expected goals against of thirty nine point three, so they've conceded around seven goals more than uh, than would have been expected, so. They basically their goal difference is twenty two worse off than what it should be according to expected goals, which um, is a staggering amount really, and and it shows that they are really they've been unfortunate this season and they are a much better team than their current position uh, suggests. Sixth in our expected goal table, uh, like I've mentioned already, since Ancelotti's come in, I think it was I think he's been in charge for around 10, 11, 12 games. They've over, they've created more than two expected goals in in pretty much all of them. Um, they've been one of the most potent attacking teams since his arrival. Uh, and, I, and I would imagine that if they continue playing the way that they were pre-break, they'll they'll climb the table. Um, whether I, I, I can't see them reaching that top six, and I think there's there's too many teams in between them. Um, and you know, that I think they've got a relatively tough schedule as well. Looking at the um, at the average forecast position of the opponents, they're they're around uh, around the ninth ninth most tough uh, toughest schedule, similar to that of Arsenal and Tottenham. So. Um, I don't think that they'll they'll break into the top six this season, but a few additions next season, and, and they could be a, a, a really intriguing team to keep an eye on because uh, their expected goal difference per game of 0.45 is is in the same ballpark as Leicester Wolves, Manchester United. So um, that that's the level that they're performing at, or they were performing at pre-break. If they can continue that into um, the 2021 season, then they'll be with a real shout of of gate crashing in the top six, as as we've seen with Leicester this season. Right, well, now we're up to arguably the, the most important element of the table or the, the thing that's still to be decided, and that's obviously the, the relegation contenders, just as as interesting as the, the Champions League, but obviously could have some really 
negative impacts on some of the teams down there and not surprising to to re- hear the reports that, that some of these teams were pushing for the relegation to be scrapped from the league or without naming any names some of them didn't want to didn't want to continue the season um but out, out of the batch Norwich are, they're probably the only ones that are, are definitely going down at, at this stage and then we've got Aston Villa in 19th up to Brighton in 15th that you can really take your pick from them. They're, I think at different stages, they've all been pretty shocking. Brighton maybe being the only exception there, but which two of these do you think deserve to join Norwich and, and drop down to the championship? And maybe it, it might be a slightly different answer. Which two do you think will join Norwich and drop down to the championship? Um, yeah, like we said, Norwich, we've got around 96% chance of going down. So, um, you know, they, they need a miracle really to stay up Uh I know they're only six points behind, but they've got some pretty tough games coming up. Uh, it looks like they're as good as gone, um, I, which I'm, you know, I, I'd be a bit disappointed about really because I think that the um, they've been really hurt by injuries, especially at the start of the season where they were missing basically a, a full back four and a full midfield. So um, post break, those guys are going to be back fit. They could well be a different team. They've shown, um, you know, on occasion what they're capable of. They play good football, attacking football. Um, so I'm, I'm not, you know, I, it would be disappointing to see them go down because of the way they play. I, I quite like what Daniel Farker's done. Um, quite young, exciting players, um, but it looks as though they're going to be, uh, they're going to fall short this season. Aston Villa are a team that we haven't liked all season long, really. Um, under Dean Smith again, they try and play attacking football, but in this at this level, they they've been seriously found out um, defensively. So, you know, they spent a lot of money on their uh, defence and goalkeeper in the summer. Twenty million for Mings, ten million for Heaton. Uh, Matt Target was, I think, ten million as well. So, they spent a lot of money on the back four, and uh, and they've been the worst defence in the league this season, conceding uh, two point four five expected goals against per game, which is a staggering number, really. Um, and they've, they've actually been fortunate to concede only 56 goals this season, which is the highest tally in the league. So it could be a lot worse for them. Um, they're only two points from safety. They've got a home game against Sheffield United, which is the game in hand. If they win that, then they pull themselves out of the relegation zone. I, I, you know, I would like to see them go down. I think they will go down. Uh, the model's got them around 74% chance of, of, of succumbing to relegation. And that is, again, when you're looking at the uh, strength of schedule, they've got the third hardest schedule. Um, of the remaining uh, of the twenty teams, this remaining, so uh, it's going to be hard work for them to get clear, especially if they continue conceding chances at that rate. Uh, and the Bournemouth third from bottom, they, they, they sit seventeenth in our XG table, which is obviously a place above um, uh, the relegation zone. They've been shocking. I've been really disappointed with them. Um, their attacking process has, has really declined from the last couple of seasons. What we used to see with Bournemouth is that they create a lot of good chances. Um, but they concede even more. Um, the, the defensive process has remained really poor, but the attacking process has declined, which means that they're losing more games uh, and the performances aren't, aren't, aren't impressive at all. They've been extremely disappointing. The model's got them around 53% chance of going down, so odds on. Um, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't grumble with them going down. I think that they're, um, they've been one of the worst teams in the league. Um, obviously, no Ryan Fraser as well, which is a huge blow for them. He's uh, uh, their XGA, uh, sorry, expected assist leader this season, <clears throat> and he led the, the whole league in expected assists last season. So he's going to be a huge miss for them moving forward. Um, uh, one thing to say about Bournemouth as well is not only are they uh, are they 
currently in the bottom three, but they have they are the team with the worst or the most difficult schedule um, remaining this season. So it's looking a little bit bleak for them. Uh, you know, I think they've got fixtures of up against. Uh, we've got travel to Wolves. We've got travel to Manchester United. They play Tottenham and Leicester after Manchester United, and then they play Manchester City. So um, it's it's looking it's a tough schedule. The home games are must wins really against Crystal Palace. Uh, Newcastle and then probably Southampton but even that might mean that they fall short uh, yeah I, they're the three that are down there at the minute I think they'll they'll end up going down been really impressed with Watford under Nigel Pearson he steadied the ship uh, made them a little bit tougher to beat and also made them much more potent in attack they've um, you know they just have to think back to that Liverpool win they were absolutely sensational West Ham just above them have been poor all season long, but have shown signs of a, of a recent improvement in process under David Moyes. So they, you know, they, over the course of the season, they've allowed two point one expected goals against. That has slightly declined uh, since David Moyes' arrival. And you know, in terms of schedule, West Ham have the easiest schedule of all the teams in the bottom six. Um, so it's you know that that's the main positive for them. And, and although we've got them ranked as the third worst team in the league according to expected goals. The main reason why we forecast them to finish above Bournemouth is because of the schedule differences. Um, and then as for Brighton, we've we've said it week in, week out, how impressed we've been with Brighton, how they've been unfortunate with results. And um, and although that everyone will be pointing to the fact that they're the only team in the league that haven't won in 2020, um, you know, that doesn't really explain how good their performances have been, which uh, I think we, we expected them to win at least four of those um, eight Premier League games, I think. So, They've been really impressive. The process is, is by far and away the best of uh, any team in the bottom six. Um, but they also have a really tough schedule. So in terms of difficulty of schedule, Bournemouth have the hardest, Crystal Palace second hardest, then Villa and then Brighton. So it's going to be touch and go for Brighton. But at the moment, they have a little two-point cushion, which could prove key, uh, crucial as we move forward. One of the teams that should be in there really uh, is Newcastle. They've ranked as one of the worst teams in the league all season long. Massively overperforming their expected goals in both attack and defence. So they've scored six more, uh, sorry, in, mainly in defence. They've, they've conceded around 15 fewer goals than would be expected. Their process is the worst attacking process in the league, but they still somehow keep scraping 1-0 um, wins here and there. Um, they're they're going to be safe. They've got too much of a cushion between themselves and the relegation zone. Um, but I just thought I'd mention them because they could be an interesting bet for next season, depending on what happens with this takeover. I was going to say they they might be safe this season, but they might have a lot more money to play with next season to to see how things get on there. Um, I mean, that's given us a really good look at the table. I think that's going to be useful for anyone just just getting back into Premier League betting, thinking about where things were. Obviously, it's not it's not really beneficial to just look at the table as is or, or recent results. It's better to kind of understand how teams have performed and and maybe who's been overperforming who's been underperforming because that could be really crucial for the for the last few games of the season um but we have also got a couple of midweek matches to look at there are odds available on pinnacle.com so I'm, I'm assuming it's right with you jake if we just look at the two upcoming fixtures and maybe see if there's any value on offer for betters yeah absolutely cool so we got sheffield united versus aston villa aston villa at home sorry sheffield united away um, and these are they're two teams that really fall into those interesting groups that we talked about before. Aston Villa, obviously a real relegation contender, and, and Sheffield United hoping to secure a, an unlikely Champions League spot, potentially a Europa League spot. But we've talked about their performances in, in general. Aston Villa 
have been the the worst team in the league scored according to expected goals as you said and and Sheffield United perhaps a little bit fortunate to be so high up in the table but they've still been the the league surprise package and there's there's a nice style of play there that that they are quite entertaining to watch I mean they they should have scored more than they actually have but then they they should have conceded more as well um they've, they've got this label of a, a defensive side I think because of the the history of of close wins or when they lose they only lose narrowly but they they have created 1.4 xg4 per game which which isn't too bad and and with a defense as poor as Aston Villa's I, I think we can expect them to create plenty of chances in this game and it's it's probably just a case of of whether they manage to find the back of the net or not um they are currently 2.31 which is over 40 40% chance of the win um they have been shortening as well so they've been taking plenty of action on pinnacle Villa, meanwhile, 3.41, which is just under 30%, and the draws available at 3.38, which is obviously the other remaining 30%. A close one to to get us going, one where maybe the, the goals market might appeal to betters, but but what do the info goal numbers look like? Yeah, so we, we make Sheffield United um, favourites, we make them stronger favourites than the market, so that's your first value bet right there, is, is to get on side with Sheffield United. We're around a 44% chance of an away win, uh, like you said, they're around 40% on on the market so yeah uh, we, we think that they're going to prove too strong here as I mentioned before Aston Villa have got well, they are the worst defensive team in, in the Premier League they've allowed 2.45 expected goals against per game so it shouldn't be too difficult for Sheffield United to create uh, carve out chances here um, from what I'm hearing as well from the, the Sheffield United camp is, is that they're pretty much or they've been training for much longer than most of the Premier League clubs and they're pretty much back to the same standard as what they were pre-break. So I'm expecting them to come flying out the blocks. Chris Wilder uh, and Alan Nill, they've always got the team in, in tip-top shape. They've always got them with a really well-organised plan um, and I think that this will be a case again. It's a huge game for Sheffield United and Villa, obviously, even if it's the game in hand. Um, like we said, Sheffield United win, they go up to fifth. Um, you know... <laughs> Like you've said there, that they, though they've only scored 30 goals this season, which is one of the lowest totals in the Premier League, in terms of expected goals, four, 44 is what they've created. So going forward, they've not got too much of a, of a problem creating the chances, it's just converting them. Um, obviously, you know the other thing to look at is, is Sheffield United's really fantastic away form, which um, you know that's one of the main reasons why they are so... So high in the table, the fact that they've they've lost only twice on the road this season in thirteen away games. So <clears throat> they are extremely tough to beat on the road, um, but they are a very potent side despite the numbers suggesting otherwise. Um, I think they'll, they'll cause Villa so many problems in this game. I do like Villa as an attacking threat as well, though. I, th- I think that they'll um, I think they'll get on the score sheet and, and breach Sheffield United. Um, although it's they've allowed only zero point eight nine goals per game, Sheffield United. Um, their expected goal tally is up at 1.4. So, you know, the, the the numbers flatter them defensively. I think Villa will get on the score sheet. So that leads us to our, our second value bet, really, which is to get on side with uh, both teams to score. Um, I think the market's at around 50%, 51%. Models suggest around a 60% chance of both teams scoring. Um, and, you know, if that is to be the case, then you have to look at the over 2.5 as well, in, in which case we, we've got, a, again, a really decent amount of value in, in getting on side with the overs. Uh, the market seems to think this is going to be a uh, a low-scoring game. Given Villa's defence, um, I can't really see that being the case. They have to get a win, really. This is the, their big chance to climb out, so they'll probably have to open up at some point, uh, and Sheffield United should should be able to um, to carve them open. So over two and a half, it's around 47%, 48% on the market. 
the model suggests around 58%, so quite a high chance. Um, and then if you look at, obviously, the recent meetings, especially in the championship last season where um, both you know both sets of players and, and, and managers were fairly similar, uh, that ended 3-3 at Villa Park. So, um, you know, it wasn't as cages as what the market suggested on that day. So could well be something similar. So, yeah, high scoring away win is, is where we're looking with the main value coming in the overs market. Just what we want to get us going, Jake. What could be an entertaining game and some value on offer for him for goal. Couldn't have gone any better. Yeah, hopefully it doesn't disappoint. Right, so we've got Manchester City versus Arsenal as the other midweek game. And uh, the market has got Manchester City at short favourites here. And it's it's quite easy to see why. I mean, a, a really poor season for Arsenal. We've we've been we've been banging that drum since the season started and how much they've they've performed poorly um they should be a lot lower down the league than the 19th position that ninth position they're currently in maybe 19th is there um, you can you can get the home side at 1.37 which suggests around a 70 percent chance of the win arsenal around 13 percent, which equates to odds of 8.46 um goals market's high here again not surprised 3.5 but the 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 betters are favoring the under um for me it's City, as you said earlier, they're the best team in the league going forward, but can't actually just put the the ball in the back of the net. But even actual goals, expected goals, they're still they're still looking pretty decent. Um, they have struggled at the back though, um, not been given up too many chances. But but when they do, they're they're really high quality chances, um, and they've actually conceded more than I mean, obviously Liverpool, but Leicester, Manchester United, Sheffield United. And they've only conceded one fewer than Crystal Palace, who are, who are all the way down in eleventh. Which I mean, that that probably sums up how how bad City season has gone. Really, um, is the is the Infogon model in line with the market here, or is it another one where you think there might be value and offer? Yeah, plenty of value and offer uh, in a various markets, really. And, and the, obviously, the, the first one is a one x two market. We think Manchester City should be shorter. Um, I know they're, they're already short price at around seventy one percent. We've got them at nearly eighty percent, so we think they should be a lot shorter in this game. I think the market's giving Arsenal um, too much respect, really. Um, obviously, they, they come into this on an eight-game unbeaten run in the Premier League. But as we discussed many times um, on the show, most of those games in which they have come away unbeaten, they've been extremely fortunate to do so. So just picking out a few. They were second best on XG to Sheffield United, second best to Chelsea in both draws, uh, second best to Burnley as well in, in what was a nil-nil draw. Um, and then also comfortably second best to Everton in a home win and West Ham. So... Basically, all of their results recently or prior to the break have been um, extremely fortunate based on expected goals and chances created. So, um, basically, what what we saw from uh, the managerial change was was no difference really. Um, the process under Unai Emery was really poor. Process under Mikel Arteta has remained the same, uh, if not got worse. So, since his arrival, they've averaged one point four expected goals for one point seven three expected goals against. Uh, so. Yeah, that puts them as the 14th worst team in that period. So, you know, while while the results suggest that they're turning a corner, the XG process suggests otherwise. It suggests they're playing the exact same way, but they're just getting a little bit fortunate with the results. So um, that's, you know, I, I think the market's showing them a little bit too much respect given the results um, and not looking a little bit closer at the performances. So again, 1x2 market, Manchester City should be a little bit shorter. So if you want a, you know, a really short price punt, get on City to win. Um, we think they're going to do so comfortably, so maybe get them on a handicap um, if, if that's your thing. Um, there's, there's value in back in Manchester City, minus one, minus 1.5 on the Asian handicap. Um, but yeah, it, you mentioned there Manchester City's defence, um, which I'm going to come to 
the defence of. It's a strange sentence, but um, you know, you said there they've, they've conceded quite a few goals, um, only one few in Crystal Palace. But according to expected goals against uh, XGA, they've been the best defensive team in the in the Premier League. So allowed just 30.6 expected goals against this season. Liverpool's second best at 32.5. So in terms of underlying numbers, the, their actual defensive process has been the best in the Premier League. I think that um, well, the other thing you have to factor in on this return is that um, the main man, who is Americ Laporte, is, is back fit and he'll be back playing, um, as will Benjamin Mendy, who will be back fully fit finally. So um, they're going to be stronger for this break. Um Obviously, who plays alongside Laporte is the next question. But um, you know, going forward in forward areas, they've got Leroy Sane back fit as well, so he'll be returning to the fold to add to their, their forward selections. You know, Sane, Sterling, uh, Bernardo Silva, David Silva, Guerrero, Jesus. You know, the list goes on really of, of the attacking players that they've now got on offer. Um, so, yeah, it's really hard to make a case for anything other than a Manchester City win. If they continue playing at the same standard as, as they were pre to, uh, prior to the break, then um, you know I think they'll run out comfortable winners here. And I think that I think Pep Guardiola will have his team uh, in tip-top shape. I think when Man City come back, they'll be one of the, the fittest teams, and uh, and just be, purely because they keep most of the possession in most of the games, um, they'll they'll probably end up winning game, a lot of games late uh, with teams tiring. Um, and you know I think it's going to be a comfortable win. I think the the other main chunk of value, which I think is a really interesting bet, is, is to back against the both teams to score. So taking both teams to score no in the market. Um, Infocore makes it a 46% chance, so not a favourite. We, we think both teams scores is, is the favourite, but based on the prices on offer, um, there's actually a decent amount of value in, inside in, with both teams to score no, which is around 40% on the market. Um, like I said, best defensive process in the Premier League they've got players coming back uh, Laporte who, who is key um, like I said Mendy at left back who is you know, who showed a couple of years ago that he is one of the best left backs in the world um, yeah he's returning so uh, and, and couple that with the fact that Arsenal really have struggled in attack um, ever since Arteta came in they've not really blown a team away it's been very laborious and boring to watch um, in the slow build up play um, but what they have been is clinical and, and that ain't gonna, that is not going to last for uh, the remainder of the season, um, you know, regression will hit at some point, and they'll stop take or they'll start taking the chances at an expected rate. So, yeah, both teams score is uh, both teams score. No, sorry, is a really interesting bet in this one for me. It's an interesting runner. Um, as for the goals market, you said it's really high. We're pretty much in line with what's on offer in terms of the goals. Um, if you wanted to have, have a, you know a bet on the goals market, you're probably looking at over three point five. Uh, where there is a small amount of value in that, at around 52% on the model um, and around 50% on the market. So a small amount of value. But for me, uh, getting Manchester City on side in, in any way you can, whether that is Man City win to nil um, or taking them on a handicap, um, I, I think that's the best best bet in this game. It's the way to go. It's, it's just to oppose Arsenal, really. Well, I feel like I'm just just warming up and getting into it, but that's that's probably all we have time for today. We've got had a a bit of a taster of Premier League action and then we'll be back later in the week to to look at a full fixture list for game week 30. Thanks as always for coming on, Jake. It's, it's been good to talk to you about the Premier League again and I'll, I'll speak to you in a few days. Yes, yeah, can't wait. We'll have a full, full slate at the weekend of fixtures to get stuck into. And thank you to everyone for listening. As always, if you do want to take a deeper dive into the InfoGoal numbers, then you can visit infogoal.net, follow at InfoGoal app on Twitter and download the app on iOS and Android. You can also now download the Pinnacle Live Scores app to follow the odds live, set alerts and bet in play. 
also available on iOS and Android, and there's more information on both of those in the description of this podcast. All the latest odds for the upcoming Premier League matches are now on Pinnacle.com. Best of luck with any bets, and please remember to gamble responsibly. 